This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokertov, good morning. How are you? Bokertov, we're still getting used to this um, strange week that we're in. It kind mm. of feels like it should be Monday or Tuesday, but it's really Wednesday. Um, and, of course, we're running into a next hug. But one of the things that we didn't have a chance to talk about yesterday, which um, is usually an annual event, is to talk about statistics on Yom Kippur mm. um, because uh, Magen David Adom, the local um, uh, emergency services um, always published statistics about how many people they had to treat over Yom Kippur. Just to remind listeners, Yom Kippur in Israel is like very, very closed down. You really, There's nothing open, um, no cars on the streets, so any medical emergency becomes quite a big deal. Um, people are very um, sensitive about jumping into a car and even if people are unwell um, to take people to hospital. And so Magenda Vida Dom are on duty with their ambulances to take care of any medical emergencies. Apparently there were 170 women in labor who were taken to hospital by Magenda David Adom over the period of Yom Kippur and apparently four babies were delivered by them as well during the period of Yom Kippur. Um, but according to the statistics, they uh, were called out to treat 3,000 people over the day of Yom Kippur, over the 25 hours when everything was closed down. 300, approximately 300 people are actually suffering from Issues relating to fasting, dehydration, fainting, not feeling well over the fast. Um, a number of people were treated for bicycling accidents, and that's always a very uh, common funny, event yeah. because there are so many people on their bicycles and on their scooters um, in the streets around, and so there are um, various injuries and accidents that take place. People get run over and, and people fall off their bikes. Apparently, there was a 68-year-old man in Haifa who slipped off his bike, bicycle and was quite badly injured. Um, he injured his head, and he had to be taken to hospital um, because he was quite badly injured but all of the other cycling accidents were seemingly um, just walking wounded kind of just treating mm. people on the scene rather than having to take them to hospital. Um, but out of the 3,000 people that they treated, apparently about 2,000 of them had to be transferred to nearby hospitals for further treatment for one reason or another. So it's a very, very busy day for um, the boys and girls uh, for, of Magen David Adom who um, are always on duty. And, and really, those are the vehicles, the ambulances and the emergency vehicles. Those are really the only ones that we see in the streets um, on Yom Kippur. And as I mentioned, um, the streets really become pedestrianized with people walking in the middle of the street and cycling and scootering and, and whatever um, people like to do when there aren't cars around. Um, the kids have a whale of the time. And, of course, the sale of bicycles goes through the roof 
during the period of Yom Kippur. That's like a seasonal thing where bicycle shops really have a, a, a bumper season selling new bicycles and things like that ahead of Yom Kippur because the kids like to take advantage of the fact that the streets are so empty. Amazing. Gail says, put uh, four children born on this day will never have cake on their birthdays. I guess that is true, but they'll also have a great story to tell. All right, uh, Yossi says, I fear for our Jewish homeland. This woke crusade brewing inside Israel, wanting to slay Orthodox Judaism at every turn is possibly a baseless hatred at a level we haven't seen since the fall of the Second Temple. Certainly these protesters calling a basic Orthodox laws Nazi ideology is on a different level to anything that we've seen or heard in our lifetime. What are your and Anthony's thoughts on that? So uh, that, of course, is the continuation of the discussion that uh, we started yesterday about the fiasco over Yom Kippur rival groups uh, in terms of the prayer service held at Dizengoff where there was a separation. The separation was removed. It certainly was a a terrible moment. And uh, the more I think about it, the more I think it does, in fact, the anti-judicial reform movement, it does them tremendous damage because what it does is it actually proves true, in inverted commas, the the allegation that that this actually isn't about judicial reform. So it, it, it really is a problem. Anthony, your thoughts? Um, so um, I do agree that um, we have a big issue here, and I think the big issue that we have is just a lack of tolerance. I think that so for so many years, let's not forget that David Ben-Gurion, who was Israel's first prime minister, was not religious. There was nothing mm-hmm. religious about him. He came from a secular background, and he was the one who did a deal with the Haredim at the time to give them the opportunity to study in Yeshivot rather than to attend the army. Admittedly, at the time, the number of people involved was a much, much smaller number, but it showed a level of tolerance at that time that unfortunately is severely lacking and missing in our current day environment. And to be honest with you, I feel a little better today than I did yesterday about these events. And the reason that I feel a little bit better today is because yesterday, in the light of the fiasco that took place of Yom Kippur, of course, Itamar Ben-Gvir came out and said, oh, if this is the way that things are going to go down in Tel Aviv, I am calling a public prayer service in Dizengoff Square on Thursday evening. And let's see what happens then. Let them try and remove our mechitza when I am there and my people from Otsma Yehudit are there. Let them try and come along and approach us and attack us and try and remove mm-hmm. our dividers between the men and the women section. We're going to take this on and we're going to take it on head first. And then to rival that, the protest movement called uh, a prayer service on Thursday evening in Dizengoff Square in Tel Aviv for their supporters. And they have called this um, the, the Kaplan Group, which, of course, um, follows the, uh, the, the, the weekly protests that take place on Kaplan Street in Tel Aviv um, every Saturday evening. And they have called a rival prayer service, this time an egalitarian one, which doesn't have dividers and the hitzes, uh, divisions between men and women, in order to rival the Benvir group. So that went down yesterday. Since then, we've seen many, many people stand up and say, guys, this is not 
okay. This is really not okay. And that's why I'm feeling a little bit better about things today, because the prime minister has stood up and said, Ben Gvir, this is not a great idea, okay? Not only has the prime minister stood up and other members of the Likud stood up to Ben Gvir saying that this doesn't sound like a great idea, but interestingly, Bitzalel Smotrich has stood up and said, calling a prayer service as a political ploy is not okay. So here we already have a split within people who are kind of almost regarded as part of um, the same grouping who have now, uh, as Smotrich has come out, as indeed have a number of religious leaders from Tel Aviv, and most notably the group who actually called, uh, who set up the Yom Kippur prayer service. The leader of that group has stood up and said, this is not part of our uh, agenda. We are not willing to set up prayer services in order to make a political statement. So Ben Gvir has come under a lot of criticism, as indeed have members of the protest movement for setting up their rival service on, on Thursday evening, have come out saying using a prayer service as a political ploy is kind of just overstepping the line a little too far. And so today I'm feeling a little bit better because I'm happy to see that there are people who still have a sense of perspective and saying, let's not use prayer, let's not use religion as a ploy to make a political statement. I hope that Ben Verit will stand up today or by the time tomorrow evening comes around and say, we are not going to pray in Dizengoff Square as we had decided before. Let's go to a nearby shul or a hall or somewhere else and let's call our supporters together and let's pray together in the way that we know how. Yeah. And we are not going to provoke other people around and we're not going to use this as a political ploy. So even though there are groups of people who are still trying to kind of, you know, poke their fingers in the eye of their political rivals, there is at least a sense of perspective that's come out since those announcements yesterday to say, guys, this really doesn't sound like a great idea. Let's lower the flames. Let's take the tension away. But Anthony, away. why does Let's the perspective, it. it seems as though the perspective needs to come from the right. It needs to come from, from Ben Gvir, who, 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 who I can't bear. So it's not as though I am uh, a supporter of his, and I think it's an incredibly stupid and inflammatory thing to do. But why does the perspective need to come from him? Why can't the perspective have come from the, from the disrespect that was shown to a Yom Kippur service to Jews who are orthodox and who have been praying this way for thousands upon thousands of years? Why can't the, the perspective come from those who, um, who destroyed that in a night? Why does the perspective have to only to come when a idiot like Ben Gvir stands up and and tries to uh, to, to 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 stamp his um, I don't know whatever personality on it? So I agree that he shouldn't be doing that. I think uh, it's appalling. But at the same time, surely perspective needs to come from the left as well. So Yair Lapid, to his credit, who's considered to be kind of associated with the protest movement and the left wing, he has also stood up and said to the left wing group, to the protest group, to the so-called Koach Kaplan, the group from um, Ruchov Kaplan, he stood up and said, this is not 
what you guys should be doing. So there is a certain element of perspective that's coming from the left as well. And to his credit, Yair Lapid has been the leader of that. He stood up and saying, I don't think this is a great idea. Um, you guys need to, um, you know, use your time to do something different um, and not use this as a way to try and spread your political um, message. And by the way, I think that the protest movement to some degree has become somewhat hijacked by special interest groups. Originally, let's remember that the protest movement was really out there to try to protest against corruption in government, to try to protest against certain actions that were being taken that were considered to be non-democratic. And from there, we've kind of um, devolved or evolved into a situation where there are so many special interest groups, people who are trying to represent you know, the LBGTQ community, people who are trying to re- represent women's rights, people who are trying to represent um, people who are handicapped, all different special interest groups and numerous others as well. I haven't even mentioned most of them who've decided that their rights all seem to be kind of under threat as a result of this so-called democratic process and everybody's using the opportunity to stand up. I think we all need to take a step back, take a deep breath, get a little bit of perspective on this, both from the right and from the left. So I agree with you, Howard. I think the perspective needs to come from both sides. And people need to remember what the protest really originated about, what the original mm. so, so, so my was. concern is that if, you, if, if uh, the Ben Gvir group goes off to a synagogue to hold a prayer service there and the so-called Kaplan group or whatever it's called takes over Dizengoff and has an egalitarian uh, prayer service, well, I hope they find somebody to lead it, but uh, let's assume they do, then, then that is a terrible victory for a terrible cause because they would have won that. And that makes me I feel angry. I, I, don't, I don't know that that will happen. I think that if Ben Gvir backs down, I think Koch Kaplan will back down as well. My hope is that there won't be any outdoor prayer services tomorrow evening in Tel Aviv. I think that that probably is the most likely scenario, even though this is playing out at the moment in a very uncertain way. But my suspicion is that they will both back down from their positions and that we will kind of get back to um, something which is a little bit less inflammatory than what we're seeing at the moment. Let's just talk about the Gaza border. What is happening there at the moment? Well, the Gaza border is a slightly confused situation because, again, yesterday, protests on the Gaza border, a lot of violence, and balloons now already being sent over the Gaza border, these incendiary balloons, which we haven't spoken about for so long and which I was really delighted not to be able to speak about. All of a sudden, once again, we're seeing sending of incendiary balloons over the Gaza border. Some fires breaking out on the Israeli side of the border yesterday as a result of that. Um, IDF forces in operation again yesterday, drones being used to attack Hamas positions on the Gaza side of the border. And I'm really not quite sure what exactly is driving this because some of the newspapers are suggesting that what's driving this is an economic problem, the fact that the Qatari money has not come in. As we know, from time to time, Qatar um, donate money to Gaza and $100 are distributed to needy families in Gaza. That hasn't happened for some time. I'm not sure whether the protests are as a result of the lack of the Qatari money or that the Qatari money hasn't been able to come to Gaza because the borders are closed. What we do know 
is that the United Nations have become involved. We also know that Qatar and Egypt are involved to try and resolve the situation. As things currently stand, the Gaza border is um, still a very, very, very uh, sensitive and quite violent place with lots and lots of people amassing every day on the, on the border and, and threatening the Israeli forces on the other side. The crossing remains closed. And interestingly, the economic impact of the crossing being closed is much more significant than the Qatari money not flowing into Gaza. And so if they were just to calm down a little bit and just allow things to progress and to flow in the usual way, the approximately 20,000 workers who work in Israel and who cross from Gaza through those crossings will be able to come and do their work in Israel, bring their money back to Gaza. That is a substantial economic impact and in fact the Gazan authorities have even requested a further 1,500 permits to be issued to people in Gaza to allow them to work in Israel. That will be a much more productive use and uh, of economic uh, benefit rather than waiting for the Qatari money. But currently things on the, uh, the Gaza border certainly very, very uh, sensitive and uh, there's a lot of tension right now on that border area. So something we'll keep an eye on. Anthony Reich, thank you as always. We'll chat to you tomorrow morning, 7.45 for the Israel Report. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com.